Good morning, church. It is so very good to see you this morning, whether you're here in the auditorium or gathered with us online. I want to tell you for the first time this year that I love and appreciate every single one of you. And I am, I am so excited to start this new year with this church family to see what God has in store for and in and through this group of people. It would seem for me, at least, it would seem disingenuous to start this new year without kind of looking back at the last couple of years and just say that the last couple of years have been weird and hard and difficult. We've dealt with, for the last two years, we've dealt with a pandemic that just doesn't seem to want to stop, and we've lost friends and loved ones. There's been all kinds of struggle associated with that. We've had political strife and turmoil and difficulty. We've had conflict and disagreement regarding to issues related to race. All of these things have have made for difficult, challenging, stressful times. And I know that there are probably a lot of us who are worried about the future. I know that there are a lot of people that are asking, when the dust settles... When the dust settles on everything, what's the world going to look like? When the dust settles, what's the country going to look like? When the dust settles, even what is the church going to look like in the next year, in the next five years, in the next 10 years, whatever the case may be? And and there's so many of us that are worried and concerned. And and I share those questions. I share those questions. I'm asking those same kind of questions. But I'll tell you this. I am not worried. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid for this simple reason. Jesus is king. And that's not just a cliche. That's not just something I say because I'm the preacher. I'm supposed to say that. It's not something that we say just because we're Christians and we're supposed to say that. Jesus is king. And because Jesus is king, even though we're asking these questions and we're wondering about these questions and we may even be concerned about these questions, we do not, we do not have to be worried and afraid because Jesus being king means that his mission, his vision will be achieved. Jesus wins. A pandemic cannot stop Jesus' mission. Politics cannot stop Jesus' mission. Amen? Politics do not stop Jesus' mission. No matter who people vote for, no matter who's elected, no matter what happens, no matter what is or what will be, politics will not, cannot stop Jesus' mission. Racism cannot stop Jesus' mission. Jesus' mission is unstoppable. Jesus' mission is unstoppable. Jesus will succeed. Jesus is succeeding. The only question is, the question is, will we embrace Jesus' mission and vision? That's the question. The question isn't whether or not Jesus will succeed. The question is whether or not you will succeed, whether or not we will succeed by embracing Jesus' mission and vision. Because the truth is, it's really easy for us, and a lot of us have embraced our own personal mission and vision. And a lot of us have embraced the the mission and vision of other groups and organizations and political visions and national visions 
But the mission of Jesus is the only one that will succeed. Every other mission and vision will ultimately fail. It's doomed to fail. Every other mission and vision, whether it's a personal one or a collective one, every other mission and vision will ultimately fail. But Jesus' mission and vision will ultimately succeed. Jesus wins. Jesus' mission and vision for the world will be a success. The question is whether or not we will embrace that. And that's what this series, this year, the theme this year, Unstoppable, is all about. It's all about acknowledging Jesus wins. Jesus has won. Jesus is winning. Jesus will win. And we as a people are going to embrace Jesus' mission and vision for the world. We are going to march on with King Jesus. And so throughout this year, we're going to do several different sermon series from the book of Acts. We're going to look at the book of Acts and we're going to think about and contemplate some questions. So from the book of Acts, we're going to think about things like this. What is the mission and the vision of Jesus? When we say that, when we say that his mission and his vision is unstoppable, what what is his mission? What is his vision for the world? How does the mission and vision of Jesus challenge other competing narratives and agendas. This is something every single one of us have to wrestle with. This is something that everyone who has ever taken the gospel of Jesus Christ seriously has had to wrestle with these kinds of questions. How does the mission and the vision of Jesus challenge other competing narratives and agendas? And then finally, how does having a clear understanding of the mission and vision of Jesus help us to navigate our current reality with purpose and hope? Because that's what we have to do, isn't it? We have to figure out how to navigate our current reality. Whatever our current reality is, we have to navigate our current reality according to the mission and the vision of Jesus. And when we have a clear understanding of what that is, then no matter how reality changes from day to day, from week to week, from month to month, from year to year, no matter how reality changes, we can navigate reality with purpose and hope. That's what I want for me. Isn't that what you want for you? That's what I want for us is for us to be able to navigate our current realities, not in despair, not in anger, not in frustration, not in worry, not in anxiety, but to navigate our current realities with purpose and hope. This is what Jesus gives to his people. And the book of Acts is a wonderful way for us to explore those themes. So if you have your Bible, look at Acts chapter 1 starting in verse 1. And this is the the part of the story that we call the ascension, right? And what's what's happening at the ascension? So many times I think we, we think about this exactly backwards. We think that this is about Jesus almost abandoning his people, almost disappearing from his people. And it is disappearing in the sense that he's no longer visible to his people, But he hasn't abandoned his people. In fact, he is going to be as present, if not more present, because of and in and through the Spirit 
And he is going to walk with his people, accompany his people, and equip his people for the mission. So if you have your Bible, Acts chapter 1 and verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all the things that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. So if you're familiar, you might know that the book of Acts is a sequel, right? It's part two. The book of Luke is the, is the original book. And so these are part of a package deal. And so Luke is continuing his story. And he says, in the first part, I told you everything. No, no notice. He doesn't say, I told you everything that Jesus said and did, taught and did. He doesn't say, I, I told you everything that Jesus said and did. He said, I, I told you everything that Jesus, what? Began to, began to, to teach, began to do. What's the implication there? That Jesus continued to do and Jesus continued to teach and that that's what the book of Acts is going to be about. The, the first gospel account, Luke, the book of Luke, is everything Jesus began to do and began to teach. And then the book of Acts is everything that Jesus continued to do and continued to teach. And what's the implication for us? It's, it's that Jesus continues to do and Jesus continues to teach. Jesus hasn't finished doing. Jesus hasn't finished teaching. Jesus continues to do and continues to teach throughout the book of Acts and to today. And as his people continue to do and continue to teach, Jesus continues to work in and through his people to do and to teach. Jesus hasn't finished. Jesus hasn't given up. He's going to continue doing and continue teaching. Luke says in verse 3, Jesus presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. A couple things there to point out. One is go back and read Luke's account and how Jesus presented himself to them alive. And, and the proofs that Jesus used to prove to them that he is alive. And when Luke says that Jesus is alive, he doesn't mean that Jesus is alive in a sense. He doesn't mean that Jesus is alive like a spirit or a ghost. Jesus proves that he has flesh and blood, that he has, he has hands and he has feet, that he eats fish with them, that Jesus is a living human being. Not just that Jesus was a living human being, but Jesus is a living human being. As Luke writes this book to Theophilus, Jesus is a living human being. As you and I sit here right now today, Jesus is a living human being who has conquered death, who is immortal. And that's significant because of what Jesus talked to them about. What is it that Jesus talked to them about during those 40 days? The same thing he'd been talking to them about, right? The kingdom of God. And what is the kingdom of God? What does it mean that Jesus is bringing the kingdom of God? Well, for God's kingdom to be a reality, that would mean that God rules 
and reigns, right? A kingdom is the rule and the reign of some king. So if Jesus makes it possible for God to rule and reign, then what does that imply about before Jesus? I mean, before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, before Jesus ministered and taught, before Jesus died and was buried and was raised, before Jesus ascended to the Father's right hand, wasn't wasn't God always ruling and reigning? Wasn't God always king? Well, that's true in a sense that God providentially provided for and reigned as king over his creation. But when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about God ruling and reigning through a human king. Through a human king. That God would mediate his rule and his reign through a human king, through an anointed one. A a king that he would choose, that would be his representative. And and Jesus' entire ministry And what we continue to proclaim about Jesus is that he is that one, right? He is that anointed one. He is that Messiah. He is that Christ. He is that king, that human king through whom God is ruling and reigning over the world. So Jesus spent those days talking about what we should continue to be talking about, the establishment of God's rule and reign through the kingship of Jesus. It says in verse 4, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So the anticipation, the expectation, is that the same Spirit who empowered Jesus is now going to empower his people. That same spirit that was upon Jesus and that empowered Jesus is now going to empower his apostles as he sends them out into the world to continue his ministry, continue his work. The same spirit who lived in Jesus and empowered Jesus is now going to empower his people. So they ask a question, verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, their question is on point, isn't it? Their question is relevant because that's that's what they've been talking about, right? The kingdom of God. So sometimes we act like they're asking a weird question. This isn't a weird question. Maybe they don't fully understand yet the nature of the kingdom, but The question is exactly on topic. This is what they're talking about, the kingdom of God. And so, of course, they ask, are you going to restore the kingdom at this time to Israel? I think that there are several questions within this question. And we might break it down and say who and when and and what and where, but let's look at the who first. They say, will will you? Will you? Because, I mean, Jesus, you you were powerful before. I mean, you fed 5,000 with just a handful of bread and fish, and and you healed the sick, and you raised the dead, and you cast out demons, but now you're immortal. Now you've conquered death. Now it's time, isn't it, Lord? Are you going to restore? What are you going to do? 
That's a logical question, isn't it? It's a reasonable question. What are you going to do next? It's kind of like they ask after the Super Bowl. You just won the Super Bowl. What are you going to do next? You just conquered death. What are you going to do next? What's next? What's on the agenda now? What are you going to do? So there's a who question, and there's also a when question, isn't there? Now, at this time, are you going to do that now? The when question. And then there's a a what question. What do they expect him to do to restore the kingdom? I've been thinking about that a lot. I mean, it's true, isn't it, that, that when we picture something and we anticipate something and we look for something, we almost always try to relate it to something we've already seen or experienced. And so they're, they're looking for and expecting and anticipating a restoration of what used to be. Something maybe like David's kingdom, when God ruled and reigned through David. Or like Solomon's kingdom, when God ruled and reigned through Solomon. Are you going to restore something like that? So there's a, a what question. What, what are you at this time going to do? But then there's also a where question, isn't there? To Israel. To Israel. Because when you think about a kingdom, we almost always think of a place on a map, don't we? We think about kingdoms. We think about Babylon. We say, show me a map. Where was Babylon? We think about Assyria. We want to know, where was that on a map? We think about Israel. Where's that on a map? We think about Egypt or or Rome or whatever the case may be, Persia or Greece. Where is that on a map? Because we want to know Sort of where, where's the, the center, where are the boundaries, who's in and who's out? Where, where are we going to draw the lines? And where is the, the geographical center of this going to be? And what are the boundaries of this going to be? So there's a, a who question, there's a when question, there's a what question, and there's a, 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 a where question. Verse 7, he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. So there's a a future dimension, I think, to the kingdom itself. And he says there's a a lot about the future that's up to God, and God is sovereign over those things. So you don't need to worry yourself about those times and about what will happen. But you do need to know something and understand something about the present nature of the kingdom. And the same thing is true for us today. There, there are still, there's still a future dimension to the kingdom of God. And God is sovereign about those times and seasons and when all of that will transpire. But we need to know something about the present reality, the present nature of God's kingdom. Here's what Jesus says in verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes or has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You could could almost kind of step through what Jesus says. And just like they asked a who question and a when question and a what question and a where question, Jesus kind of responds with the same outline of thoughts, doesn't he? But but look at the, the who response. Their question was about Will you, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel, right? What are you going to do now? You just conquered death. You're immortal. 
You're imperishable. You are the human being who will live forever and can't die. What are you going to do about the kingdom now? And Jesus responds not by talking about what he's going to continue to do. He's certainly going to continue to work and reign. But he turns it and talks about what they are going to do. He says, you, you will receive power when the Spirit comes on you. He turns it around and the who is you. The who is, I know I say it all the time, all y'all, right? It's it's y'all, it's my people. That's the who. It isn't just about what Jesus alone is going to do, but what Jesus is going to do through his people. His ministry and his work is about to multiply exponentially, isn't it? He's about to multiply in the earth. It isn't that Jesus is going away and abandoning them, but his work and his ministry and his name and his glory and his kingdom is about to multiply exponentially because now his people are about to go to work. So there's a who response, but there's also a when response. When? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This is going to be the power. Church, this is important. This is going to be the power through which Jesus accomplishes his mission. That was true in the first century and it's true today in the 21st century. The power of the Spirit is the power by which Jesus will accomplish his mission. And that flew in the face of their expectations, didn't it? Because it's not, it's not military power. And it's not political power. And it's not economic power. It's not, hey, we're going to go to work and we're going to accomplish our mission as soon as we gain political power. And it's not, we're going to go to work and we're going to accomplish our mission as soon as we get enough swords and as soon as we get enough spears and as soon as we get a, a big enough cavalry. It's not... As soon as we get enough money, as soon as our treasury grows, then we're going to go to work. Jesus says, you're going to go to work, and you're going to be the hands, and you're going to be the feet, and you're going to be the mouth of this mission. You're going to do it when you receive power from the Spirit. It is the Spirit who empowers Jesus' people to accomplish Jesus' mission. The Spirit empowers Jesus' people to accomplish Jesus' mission. And then there's a what. There's a what answer to his answer. You will be my witnesses. You will testify about me. Your testimony, your spirit-filled testimony is what will change the world. This is how the kingdom works. This is the nature of the kingdom. The nature of the kingdom is not political. The nature of the kingdom is not military. The nature of the kingdom is not economic. The nature of the kingdom is spirit-filled people testifying to the rule and the reign of King Jesus. That's the nature of the kingdom. The nature of the mission and the vision of Jesus is that his people, filled with his spirit, would go out into the world and testify to the new reality, to the new kingship, to the truth. They would testify to the truth that Jesus rules and Jesus reigns and that God's kingdom is mediated through King 
Jesus. And there's also a where answer here, isn't there? Because it's not just Israel. Israel won't be the center of the kingdom. God isn't going to rule and reign from Jerusalem because it's going to be to Jerusalem and to Judea and to Samaria and to the end of the earth. We're always worried about where where are the boundaries? Where do we build the walls? Where do we draw the lines? Who's in and who's out? And Jesus says this kingdom and this mission and this vision is for the world. It's global. It's going to be empowered by my spirit. It's going to be a a kingdom that is spread through testimony, through sharing the truth that Jesus rules and reigns. And it will start in Jerusalem and spread to all Judea and spread to Samaria and spread to the end of the earth. And of course, that's what the whole book of Acts is about. Look at verse 9. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Again, the rest of the book of Acts is all about the truth that Jesus has not abandoned his people. That this ascension to the Father's right hand, isn't an act of abandonment, but an act of empowerment. That he wasn't abandoning his people, he was about to accompany his people. He was about to empower his people to go and serve his mission, to serve his vision, to accomplish his will in the earth, empowered by, not by military strength, Not by political strength, not by economic strength, but by the strength and the power of the Spirit. That they had all they needed to accomplish Jesus' mission in their generation. And the same has been true for every generation since. That we have everything that we need. The Holy Spirit gives us, the only power we need to accomplish our part in the global mission of Jesus. That's the next slide. Isn't that right? The Holy Spirit gives the only power we need to accomplish our part in the global mission of Jesus for our generation. That was true in the days of the apostles. They had everything they needed. Jesus didn't leave them in the lurch. Jesus didn't leave them needing and lacking. Jesus gave them everything they needed through the power of the Spirit to be his kingdom ambassadors, to accomplish his mission and vision. And then every generation since then, we've continued to be filled with the Holy Spirit in our own unique way, And two, in our generation, be equipped and empowered and accompanied by Jesus to go and fulfill Jesus' mission in our generation. This kingdom reality that began then continues now. And yes, we still anticipate Jesus descending from heaven, coming back the same way that he went, 
But the reality is, right now, we have the same reality in many ways that the apostles had. That we are empowered and we are equipped and we are accompanied by Jesus in the Spirit to go and accomplish his mission and vision. So the question that we have to ask ourselves, if we're going to be people that embrace this, embrace this reality, embrace this truth, embrace this kingdom, embrace this mission and vision, the question we have to ask ourselves is, what would happen? What would happen if we gave our allegiance exclusively to King Jesus and pursued only the power that the Spirit provides? I kind of want us to think about that for a second. What would happen if we gave our allegiance exclusively to King Jesus and pursued only the power that he provides? Do we trust him enough do we believe him enough? Has this reality sunk into our mind and our heart that Jesus gives us all that we need and that his mission and vision cannot fail? What would happen if we gave our allegiance exclusively to King Jesus and pursued only the power the Spirit provides? There's a word for that. And so many generations have experienced it. And the word is revival. That's what happens. Revival is what happens when we give our allegiance exclusively to Jesus and pursue only the power the Spirit provides, believing that Jesus always accompanies, Jesus always empowers, Jesus always equips his people to do his work. We're going to sing a song. And as we sing this song, I know, again, we've got people here in the auditorium and we've got people watching online. And, and responding to an invitation is not just about coming forward. We all respond to an invitation daily, don't we? Where Jesus invites us to be part, to be a part of what he's doing right now in and through his people in the world. And every day we have the opportunity to respond to Jesus' invitation, to become his disciple through baptism, to decide whether or not we will allow the Spirit to empower us to be filled with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control and to go out into the world and share the truth that Jesus reigns. We have that opportunity every day to respond to that invitation, to embrace the mission and vision of Jesus or to reject it, to give our allegiance exclusively to Jesus or not, to pursue the power that the Spirit provides or to pursue other sources of power. We have the opportunity every day to respond to Jesus' invitation to be part of what he's doing in the world. And if we can help you in any way to respond to that invitation, now's a great opportunity as together we stand and sing this song.